Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer. His name is Jimmy Corderas. His name is Justin Labar. And this is the Wrestling Inc. WWE Raw after show. And if we got a good one for you, we've got black cowboy hats. We've got the Miz putting on a show. And we've got proof that the bad guys understand that teamwork makes the dream work. But before we get in to all of that, Justin Labar, how you been, my old pal? I am doing well, doing well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're on the road to backlash, not WrestleMania backlash, but backlash. Uh, and and I'm I'm actually looking f- I'm looking forward to some stories on backlash. It doesn't feel like a, a throwaway show. I'm looking forward to hearing the, the Puerto Rican crowd and all the tie-ins that we're going to have there. So I'm all things wrestling considered. I'm doing all good. And uh, Jimmy, how about yourself? We're getting a little, a few dings in there. Is that me, or is that coming through someone else's? Uh, that was mine, and I'm apologizing. I'm putting it on mute right now because oh, I good. sometimes tend, I sometimes tend to forget that. Tell Chimel you got a job to do. Uh, he's <laughs> always breaking my chops. What can I tell you? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Does even when he's not here. <laughs> uh, how how you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, my friend, and uh, you know. Uh, Again, dealing with this uh, the Jekyll and Hyde weather up here, but other than that, it's it's awesome. Like it's sunny, it's just one day it's nice and warm. You got the windows open, everything, and then the next day you got the heat back on. Well, speaking of the heat, Stephen Camp asking if I'm going to smoke box. No, my camera doesn't work, and I'm stuck with my broken face. Uh, it says Facebook camera on the drop down menu here, but basically the built in one in my laptop. This is why I tried to use another camera. This one doesn't work. I don't know why the one I'm using isn't working now. I've got set up. I was set up, Canon. This one's on you. I say. Farmer, uh, farmer uh, hanging out Cheech and Chong over there. No <laughs> That's why I would be doing a lot of laughing later. Okay. But, <laughs> we have to correct uh, Chris over there. It's it's Triple J, not Double J. If, uh, yes, yes, it's Triple J. Um you know, Matt Riddle is back, so I had to uh, smoke it up a little bit. No, I'm just <laughs> wow, KFA, brother. Yes, uh, yeah, everyone's complaining. I'm sorry, guys. I can't help it. Uh, we can't see the quality of your fine hair. I know the, that's the thing behind the haze. I blow dried for nothing. I tell you, what's the <laughs> point? What's what, if I'm not doing it for the camera? What am I even doing it for? Well, let's talk about Bryce Jackson. Riddle's house, yes. Um, well, let's talk about uh, some news first and foremost. Some big news, bigger than my cloudy camera here, is uh, WWE is reportedly in renewed talks with ESPN following the Endeavor deal. According to PW Insider Elite, WWE is in talks with ESPN to collaborate on new projects moving forward. The biggest caveat being that, for the time being, these talks do not involve a weekly TV series. Another interesting piece of information from the report is that the there's news that another promotion was in talks with ESPN, despite AEW's recent deal with ESPN to air their programming in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands. It is confirmed that AEW is not the promotion in question. Which promotion was in talks with ESPN is unknown, but it can be assumed with WWE stepping back in that those talks are in jeopardy. Justin, a couple of interesting points here to, to take away. I want your thoughts on one. Who doesn't want it to be a weekly show? Is this WWE saving, maybe saving that for another buyer? Or is that ESPN saying, look, man, we just want want your documentaries. Also, who is this other party that could be talking to ESPN? 
I, I don't know who the other party would be. I mean, um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, I guess you could never rule out AEW potentially, but I mean, I, I they, they would, I, I don't, I don't know that one. That one's a peculiar one, but to the, you know, I think we have to remember, you know, WWE could also, you know, they, they, they still are in kind of, they're, they're going into bidding. They're going into negotiation. So you, you, you've got to play your hand kind of close to the vest. So, um, you could even say, oh, yes, Pan, we want to do more specials, more documentaries, but I don't know if we want a weekly show because if you come out and say that, if you come out and say you want a weekly show at ESPN, we'll give the ESPN some leverage and what they offer. It also then could potentially uh, silence or, or make others hesitate, you know, others meaning Fox or, or you know, NBC uh, with, with USA or anybody else who'd want to get into the WB business. So uh, I th- you kind of want to remain non-committal. You kind of you don't want to uh, pick your date to the prom just yet, so to speak. They, and so I think that's kind of what's going on. I do think, and when, when we when we learned that Endeavor and, and the UFC and all this merging was going to happen, um, WB's long chased the ESPN credibility and they've gotten more and more of it the last few years you know they have had espn do pre-shows and they've had specials there and documentaries and so i think in a perfect world wwe would like to see themselves get their programming more on espn whether that means that their pay-per-views eventually move to espn plus or i don't know but espn still has a mainstream bearer of credibility uh and wwe loves to get that loves to be you know, again, they, they love to be in the same conversations as Super Bowl, as World Series. It's why they send out a world title customized to every major sports um, team that, that wins their championship. So I think they're never going to say it right now in negotiation, but I think uh, more of them on ESPN is probably inevitable, and this merger is only going to help their their credibility to ESPN. Yeah, Jimmy, you've obviously been a part of the WWE for a very long time, and you've been backstage and probably heard a lot of conversations that us normal folks only dream about. But is there something to WWE wanting that credibility of an ESPN as opposed to uh, Spike TV, just throwing out a random name that's had wrestling on it before? No, absolutely, because like you said, there is that, uh, you know, perception is reality thing, especially with ESPN. ESPN uh, is is well known amongst the sports community as the, uh, you know, sports channel to be on and sports entertainment being on that channel. You know, it may cause some people to go, well, I can't believe they're putting that wrestling stuff on there. But at the same time, like Justin said, it gives it an aura of credibility when it ends up on ESPN, because like right now, for example, they're not looking for a weekly show, but all the stuff that's on, I don't know what the deal is with AEW, A&E, I'm sorry, uh, with A&E and how long that is for, but stuff like that, like the documentary series, the rival series and all that sort of stuff would fit in nicely on ESPN because you don't want to lose, in my opinion, somebody like a Fox, a national, you know, that a national broadcaster like that, because, you know, they're, they're available over the air. You don't mm-hmm. need cable. You don't need to pay for extra to get, get to watch at least SmackDown. Um, and, you know, as far as Raw is concerned, USA Cable Network has been their mainstay for a long time. It all depends on what the best deal is for them. And also mm-hmm. gives them the best presentation and the best perception in the eyes of the fans. And ESPN, like you, like uh, to your question earlier, yes, they have been chasing that credibility, and I, I, I can only imagine that if they can get the deal they are hoping for with them, that they would absolutely love to be on there. Uh, the uh, Justin, I guess, last part of this, I want to get your take on. We talk about how sometimes there's too much pro wrestling on TV, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, Rampage, etc. 
is WWE possibly getting to the place where there's too many documentaries on TV? Just to play devil's advocate here, they do have the rivals and everything else they've been doing. Do you think they might hit that well one too many times? Well, you can be that. That stuff's kind of good to be out there, and you're being spread around. You know, they've, they've had ESPN, you know, sixty. For, you know, whatever 60 or 60 for 60 whatever on ESPN they've had the, the current thing going on the documentaries on A&E I think those are okay I think the, the risk they run is you kind of start to run out of stories you even notice with some of these um, Sunday night biographies you know I think like Charlotte's was like an hour and Jerry Lawler's was like an hour you start to get into people not not to disrespect especially the Kings not to disrespect anybody's career but you start to get into where it's like okay how much can we how much do we have here to fill two hours or even you know some of the other talent they've done, it's like, all right, we've seen several documentaries of them. I mean, how much new are we going to provide? So I think you might run the risk there, but I think that um, that's me being able to say that because I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a diehard fan who watches all of them. I think, again, you're trying to aim to, you know, my, my uncle would text me on some of these Sunday night ones because he hasn't watched wrestling in 30 years or 35 years. But, you know, seeing seeing some of these documentaries, he's like, oh, that, that, that was interesting. I remember when that person wrestled. I remember, you know, so I remember when the Iron Sheik was wrestling. So. I think that's what you're trying to grab. I think you're trying to grab that that fan, that those people, and then may, and if you can dr- bring them back in, great. Um, but that's it's different versus what you're asking with AEW because AEW is trying to put out original content every single week. And that's where you start to strain yourself creative. Uh, but this is stuff that's you know, prepackaged, you know, huge production teams working on a little bit uh, different, uh, different quality control. Yeah, I guess if we start to see them doing a deep insight into Fit Finley and the WCW Hardcore Championship rivalries he had, then maybe they've gone a little too far down that well. But uh, I'd love that. I'd probably be the only one that's into it. But I, I would love that. But I feel like, yeah, I think we'll probably be able to tell when they've run out of good stories. Um, I guess the beauty is they're always making new ones. So by the time they're done with these ones, they'll be talking about Roman Reigns or whoever. And don't shortchange the uh, the hardcore championship, especially the 24-7 one as someone who counted a a very quiet pinfall inside the APA office one time. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. Hey, I I was very specific in saying the WCW hardcore title, and That's I was true. referring to that, that uh, what was it, the junkyard match at a bash at the beach many decades mm. ago dating myself but <laughs> nothing nothing tops a monster truck battle on the roof and then one of and then one of the participants being you know, falling off the, the, the building only to resurrect themselves and come back 30 minutes later and and wrestle yes <laughs> oh man um well we got some more stuff going on. Speaking of stuff that could be on rivalries someday, uh, AEW is reportedly planning a program between CM Punk and Chris Jericho. Uh, Wrestling Observer Live said that a, a sit-down was set to take place involving Punk, Jericho, Tony Khan, FTR, and others. There's been no word yet on if the elite would participate as they've reportedly been reluctant on working together with Punk in the future. However, if everyone is able to get on a similar page to make things work, one of Punk's first angles upon coming back would then be with Jericho in some capacity. FTR, who has been pushing to do a program with Punk specifically for All In, and other members of the Jericho Appreciation Society could get involved as things expand. But at its baseline, it's lining up as Punk versus Jericho. I've said a million times this whole CM Punk thing, I don't know nothing. I just it, take whatever I see at face value. Jimmy Corderas, this is a whole, whole, uh, whole can of 
a bees. I don't know what the phrase is here. I'm just going to let you open it up and say your piece. Yeah, I, I wish I could open up this can of peas, but I'm like you. I don't know the truth because you see all this stuff on social media going back and forth, the deleted tweets and and stuff that was put out there and Jericho making comments about, you know, he doesn't want punk back and, you know, and acting. He's pretty much a locker room leader there and stuff like that. So that's all out there. But at the same time, this history has a business of guys not liking each other. You don't have to like each other to do business together. And that's the main thing. If there's money, is potential money to be made here, especially with a show that they're coming up with at Wembley Stadium, which is a big venue that they need to get a big audience to give that perception that, the, hey, these guys are for real. And I hope they do. What better match? The only thing I'm, scared, I'm afraid of that this match here, the Jericho versus CM Punk, may attract back some of those fans. But is it a big enough match to attract, to attract a huge, huge audience? And they can if they take their time and tell this story right, because right now they got people believing that these guys don't want anything to do with each other. And maybe they don't. But again, like I said, someone like a Chris Jericho could see the value in this from a business standpoint and can do business. And I've seen guys who didn't like each other work together many, many times. Yeah, Justin, I see you nodding your head there. It sounds like you agree. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it is it's a reality and it's proven in, 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 in pro wrestling history. Uh, sometimes stuff that stems from real life, you know, does the best. Um, you know, it, 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 it just carries over. And, and so, look, the audience is very much aware, the, the AEW audience is very much aware of this Jericho Punk stuff. So it would be an easier sell, you know, and, and you know, you, have, you do have to take your time, to Jimmy's point. Uh, yeah, okay, so is it a match that's going to be a, a big contributing factor to a stadium? You know, it's not like this is first time ever. I mean, these guys had a uh, had a story together in WWE, so it's not so you're not selling anybody on the first time ever novelty. You're you're, you're gonna have to again tell a good story and sell them on this being truly the locker room stuff boiling out to the ring. Um, so it could do something. Uh, the biggest thing, I guess, with this is that again, when you have two when you have two guys who legitimately again, yes, they can do business together if not still while not liking each other, like Jimmy said. But just the thing you have to be careful of is you have to really Tony Khan would have to really keep it on the planned rails it's okay if you go ahead and make the fans go ahead and make all of us scratch our heads and oh are they supposed to say that make us question that but make sure that the people involved are on the same page of how far we're going and that and you know nobody goes rogue nobody takes their extra shot because the moment you start doing that it's going to start to go off the rails and once again you have trust issues or you, or you run a risk of a, of a backstage blow up or something so that's just that's the biggest thing it's just gonna have to be tony khan this it might be the most ultimate test in his young uh promoting career to keep a hold of of his talent and make sure that they stick to the stick to whatever script there actually is yeah that's gonna be the i mean that, that's gonna be the, the, the real key there and i think yeah justin you nailed it with this being a real test of tony khan's leadership again I don't know what really is going on. They may have all high-fived and laughed and had a, a good old time right after the all-out press conference, for all I know. Mm. Uh, but I've, I've always said I'm a big believer in locker room chemistry being one of the most important things in all sports. And so I know that not everyone likes each other. And I think if they don't like each other and can work together and keep that harmony, that's cool. I do worry, though, if this upsets the locker room, you see how entire shows can start cascading off a cliff once the locker room's not into it anymore. And so I, I worry about that. 
again, I'm not saying that anyone is good or bad or anything. Again, I don't know. I'm just saying that would be my concern. But I think CM Punk clearly sells tickets. He clearly gets people interested. We're still talking about him. I mean, after all that's happened, we're still talking about him. So clearly, he's he's someone you want probably on the um, uh, on the marquee if you can get him. Um, but speaking of marquees, there's a couple people that I want to put on our marquee, and it's the people in the chat here, whether it be Shelbowski, whether it be Killer a Demon 669, whether it be Maya Lee or Mike Martin or Jif King, Dylan Matthews, Ethan Cruz, Stephen Camp, Huffman Elite Training. We got yeah, uh, in there. Uh, I didn't know if to say that, like, uh, I probably should have said yeah, like, uh, LA Knight, not like I was about to do usher and little john and then try to adjust anyways it's my my screen's cloudy what do you expect but we got john millard and also adam staples and everyone else tommy up thank you guys so much for being here like comment share subscribe why don't you hit us with a five-star review on apple Podcasts? why don't you uh that'd be very appreciated we got a bunch of super chats in here uh sheet i see yours i'll definitely get to that once we chat about cody rhodes um, and then Maya Lee, I'll talk to talk about that once we get to the Trish segment. Uh, yours as well as um, uh, Shabowski. We got some I'm going to talk to in a little bit. But Shabowski has one that's might as well bring up now while we're here mm -hmm. uh, with the super chat. Shabowski says 50,000 people pre-registered for Wembley. I don't know if that I don't know where that number is coming from, but if that's mm -hmm. the case, Bing Bang Boom, off to the races. Yeah. If that's yeah. the case, that's a huge success yeah. not yeah, even having a match announced exactly and and that's i was thinking I mean, that would be great if that's the number they got overall yeah so again i don't know where this number came from but if it is uh if it is any accuracy to it awesome yeah so good on them uh shabowski let us know where you saw that number by the way um mm -hmm. uh, i see you have another one in there shabowski there's a place i want to talk about that uh, as far as the crowds um and i'll get to that later so i do see it and we will get to it in a second but for now we're going to chat about the opening segment which got my heart of pitter patter seeing these two groups going to going at it with each other we got the bloodline coming out and things starts normal enough then the judgment day comes out and they say they have a short-term partnership with each other and the action starts as sola sokoa will help judgment day deal with their problem ray mysterio we get a quick matchup where Maybe not so quick, but basically Solo dominated this one until Ray gets the upper hand, hits a 619. Solo kicks out of it, though. The fight continues. The Usos look to get involved, and the LWO stops them. Solo avoids another 619, hits the Samoan spike, and gets a fairly clean win over the Legends, over the Legend uh, before the Bloodline beats down the LWO. Uh, Justin... My takeaway from this, I want I, I, talk about whatever you want here, but I, my takeaway from this was this really put Solo on a pedestal, whether it be the promo beforehand, the match that happened afterwards. Solo's the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's been protected. Only, I mean, what, the only loss he's had is right before WrestleMania, Cody beating him. Um, you know, Ray's you know, been been doing the job for some people the last few weeks, but that's fine because Ray Mysterio is Ray Mysterio, so it gives you credibility, uh, but it doesn't hurt his Hall of Fame career. Uh, very good match. Yeah, I like the, the two groups, the two biggest heel groups in the, in the company, um, you know, kind of having this alliance to help deal with each other's dirty laundry, but 
clearly showing that they already have trust issues. That's I mean, that's exactly what it should be. They shouldn't be buddy buddying. Uh, and yeah, to the point of also highlighting Solo, but also just highlighting this group. Such a wonderful. If, if again, if you didn't see Raw, if you're looking for moments, go watch this promo. It's the opening segment, like Jack said, and the they're standing across from each other, like they're at the front lines of battle, Judgment Day and Bloodline, and Solo and Rhea just just burning a hole through each other's heads, staring at each other, and and Paul Heyman trying to avoid any any problems asking solo to move and then Rhea just slightly moving with him was just such a great touch and you know to what i think you're saying jack it just made you know solo's the one guy out there who <laughs> he and Rhea, and it makes it elevates Rhea that she's you know she's she's picking the enforcer as, 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 as you know everybody's a watchdog everybody's gonna check some balance that's that's who she's gonna watch it was it was great stuff i thought this was a really well done open um, I don't like it when we have a million factions. I don't think everybody needs to be in gang warfare. But I think right now, you if you if you look overall at the intersection of LWO, Judgment Day, Bloodline, I do like that. Um, I, I think it's 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 enough to make there be chaos and alliance, but not too much to where it's confusing and I need a scorecard to keep track of who's with who. Uh, I thought this was a really uh, well done start for the pace and the theme of what tonight's episode will be. I think I agree with you that there's not an, I, I don't think everyone needs to be in a stable. I don't know like when it, things get too stably, but what I love about what WWE has done with their stables right now is every stable is so different and there's clearly a theme and there's a vibe. And if I picked a random wrestler and said, which stable should they join? I think we would all pick. If I said, uh, Claudio Castagnoli is coming back to WWE. He's joining a stable. Which one do you think he's joining? We'd all say Imperium. He's an Imperium guy. Uh, you know, if you said, um, you know, uh, what like Darby Allen is joining WWE and joining a stable, but yeah, he seems like a Judgment Day guy. Like you could just tell certain people fit in with certain groups. And I think that is really the power of the groups that WWE has right now. And Jimmy, I want to get your thoughts on this opening segment. I think the thing that really impressed me with this opening segment is you had two groups that were bad guys that hate everybody, that want to tear everyone apart, but they all stayed true to their character while still making me believe they would work together, but without being like, we're bad guys, so we're chums. You know what I mean? Right. No, no, I totally agree with that. And and that's the beauty of it because it, it was almost like a little bit of a swerve because when they came out, you thought there was going to be a confrontation between these two. And of course, Paul Heyman kind of set the tone with his saying, it's a short-term agreement. And they emphasize that short-term uh, many, many times. And the little touches, you could tell the tension was there. And the, the one thing that Paul Heyman said were, Yes, uh, the the Usos weren't informed of it. They did tell so Solo because they didn't want Solo to go off the rails. That was the story being told, at least anyways, the, to, to calm the Usos down. We told Solo about it so he didn't go off the rails because you know how he can get sort mm -hmm. of thing. And the little touch like Justin mentioned where, where you know, he switched Solo's spot and Rhea followed him and, and it just made her look badass as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, can, uh, this is a different spin on the can they coexist without mm -hmm. it being corny it yes. worked in this instance i think one of the things that makes it work is that we were saying can they coexist they weren't saying can they coexist if right. that makes sense and and just one other thing too and this isn't the first time this that you could say this but i just it just really hit me tonight it is nice that wwe has finally found the right story to surround the champion and the right story 
to make you know roman reigns by by some accounts has become he's now moved to a part-time schedule at least of appearing on television and especially with matches but that's okay he is a special attraction it's best for business uh it makes you know it, it's 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 the right thing to do but rather than just having oh he just he's gone and just what a, like the fact that he's the fact that he's the tribal chief up who is at the head of the table who's calling the shots we don't even we don't even see him but he's calling the shots and then paul Heyman is relaying it uh to, to the to the rest of the world, it make it makes Roman Reigns aura grow each week as his streak continues with the title reign days, but yet you're giving him whatever you've contractually now agreed to of time off. It, it makes it work. It's finally you know we've we've had we've seen in the past whether it be Brock or whomever uh, on that on that upper level that that gets that part time deal. You're like ah you know they're here, but now I know they're going to go away next week. This works that Roman doesn't have to be there every week, but yet he still has as much impact on the storylines. Um, so again, just a, a great job to WWE for the way that they've kind of insulated Roman to where he doesn't have to be there, but he is still there. It's so funny to say because I was just thinking uh, earlier this week is that I can't, I actually can't wait for the days if you when Brock is part time, Undertaker's part time, you know, they're gone forever. And then someone gets mouthy in the ring and their music hits. And you're like, Whoa, I forgot about him. He's coming out. This is cool. I can't wait for that moment with Roman Reigns where we forget that Roman Reigns is lurking out there. And someone, you know, some Austin theory, whoever's like, I'm the best there's ever been. And then the music hits you're like, Oh my goodness. Roman Reigns is back. I can't wait for that. It's going to, it's going to come soon, but I, I can't wait for it. Uh, we got a couple of super chats. I definitely want to get through here uh yeah asks jjj triple j do you guys think we need solo to speak more not yet nope nope nope. no give it time let him be the strong silent type right now paul Heyman could do all the talking uh what was it was it last week where he he said just a couple of words and everybody went oh Mm -hmm. because it's it was it was done in a a soft but menacing way if that makes any sense (laughs) soft and menacing yes but you know what i'm you know what i'm trying to say It, it just Oh, take your time. He doesn't need to talk yet. Yeah, yeah. Less, less is more. Yes, very um, Goldberg in that regard. Um, and Shelbowski coming back with the uh, the news. Thank you so much. Says uh, they announced it today in the UK. Fifty thousand isn't sales. It's just registering to purchase tickets. But if you have fifty thousand people pre-registering, that's very impressive. Uh, agreed. Uh, and then it goes on to say. PW Insider reported that today and in the UK. Okay. Um, All right. So, so it's a nice sign. I'm, I'm glad, you know. Yeah, it's a good sign. I mean, that it, obviously that doesn't mean they're going to necessarily sell 50,000 tickets, but yeah, it's a good sign that 50,000 people are looking, you know. He's interested, yes. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Alpha Academy. Uh, Chad is pitching that Alpha Academy is a package deal while Maxine is trying to highlight Otis. Jimmy, feet to the fire. You've got the pin. You're deciding it. Is Otis going to join Maximum Male Models and leave Chad behind forever? Or will Otis stick with his Alpha Academy buddy? Which do you want to happen? I almost want to see him leave his buddy and go join the Maximum Male Models because I see Chad Gable as a potential star as well. He's got He's he's a total. He's he's like this generation's Kurt Angle without the push. Mm-hmm. He's that talented. He's that good on the mic. He ticks all the boxes. I, I hate to keep saying that about certain talents, but he does. So I, in a way, I'd kind of like to see him uh, break break apart from him, and almost want to see them in a rivalry. 
yeah. against one another. Yeah, that could be a great way to turn Chad eventually that serious good guy we've been looking for too. Maybe if he has to, you know, we talk about the hard times thing, goes to the hard time of losing his friends, then has to go through maximum male models, has to go through his old pal, and then is ready for that U.S. title or whatever it is after all that. But right. Justin, same question. Uh, you know, I think uh, they're both likable, Otis and Chad Gable. Uh, I think that, uh, and, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't move away from that. I wouldn't turn one of them. I think with the draft upcoming, that's the, just the perfect situation just to naturally pull them apart. Uh, I would move uh, if the maximum male models is gonna is if they if that remains a raw thing, uh, I would keep Otis on raw, pursue that comedy, pursue that potential. Uh, I would move Chad over to SmackDown. And he doesn't have to be serious in the sense of like, you know, Lance Storm, if I could be serious for a minute, he can be, a, a, you know, as, as I've said before, I, I look at him as a Kurt Angle, uh, Owen Hart hybrid. Uh, he can he can be comedic and, and kind of fun loving and a little goofy, shoosh, but he could still be serious and respected in the ring. Uh, I would move him over to SmackDown. I think he'd be somebody if you position him right there as a babyface automatically, I, I let him be a challenger to Gunther. Um, I think right there, just put, thrusting him right in the IC picture against Gunther. I'm not saying he should beat Gunther or, or, or be the one to end the title reign, but uh, I think that would be uh, a huge elevation to his newly found singles career. And that, and again, he's the kind of guy too that I think whenever you have this, the young plucky or the next plucky underdog that is supposed to be the guy we cheer for, put him into the meat grinder like someone like a Gunther that's going to just. Sorry, Chad, beat the hell out of him for a little bit. So he grow to sympathize with him and, and see him fight through. That's exactly what I think you want uh, to get him on that trajectory. Um, we move on and we get to Bianca Belair versus Dakota Kai. Not a surprising outcome, but Dakota did her thing. The story was really an unhappy Bailey watching on from ringside. Justin, we've had issues with damage control in the past, but has the dysfunction made this group more interesting to you? No, <laughs> I I just I, I, they, they just need to accept their losses on this one. Cut, cut like what's the phrase? Just cut your losses. I just I don't the three of them. It just it's it's just kind of gone too far gone. I and I I I can see them trying to you know spice it up with some drama, but um, <clears throat> I think we need to hit a reset button on this one again. Draft maybe the draft could be a blessing to get to, to separate the ladies and 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 officially call it quits without 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 saying okay we, we we failed and just pulling off tv break them up so you can just use that as the excuse oh they're broken up we don't have damage control anymore it's just not working um uh, jimmy do you agree and if this is leading to the end of damage control which it kind of feels like it is who do you think bianca's next real challenger is going to be that's that's an interesting question i i i do agree that uh they just haven't resonated. There's something that's not clicking with this group and it's not getting fans invested in them. And of course the standout in the group is Bailey mm -hmm. because she's the one that people are gravitating to the most. And, 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 and um, Sky and Kai, I feel kind of sorry for, mm -hmm. you know, being kind of like, uh, you know, uh, not on the same level for lack of a better term. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but um I'm sorry. Back to your question was, oh, who's Bianca's next challenger? See, that's going to be the interesting one. Who is there? Who has built up that uh, to that point where you can say, you know, who is the next challenger? The only thing I could think of is, can you do right now? I don't think the roster has been built up enough uh, on both sides on Raw and SmackDown where you can have 
like they do in the men's division in one champion. I think that it, with the women's championships, they need to be divided. But I don't see uh, anyone stepping up right now to be that contender. I mean, the only one with name value uh, maybe is someone like a Trish after she's done her deal with uh, um, Becky. But, you know, with Becky and, you know, have, you know what I mean, uh, have her elevate Bianca even more. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know where you go with that. I think for Bianca, if they gave if they gave it some time to build her up, I think Piper Niven could be uh, a challenge. She can certainly hang in the ring. Uh, you got to build her up a little bit and get people. You know, we got to get some heat on her. Um, or you know, I don't follow NXT. I don't follow NXT as close because I don't need to every week with not doing a podcast for it. But I know there are a lot of females in NXT who seem to be uh, do, doing well. Momentum seems to be in their favor. So maybe. You know, Shawn Michaels and, and, and Triple H can get together and they can identify who, who would be the right one to, to bring up to be a foil to Bianca if, if there is one right now for the draft. But I think final thing with the damage control, and Jimmy kind of said how the other two really aren't up. And I think that's what kind of what it feels like. It's like if you're going to do – okay, the, the trio of damage control doesn't have much – they haven't won a lot. They haven't done much of anything in, in the nine months they've been together. So that, that, that's, that's – that's, you're already starting behind things there. And then when you try to have the dissension problem, when you start to have the drama within – well, that all has to be told via the mic. That all has to be told via you know body language and communication. And Bailey's really good uh, as heel or face. And Sky and Kai aren't as good communicators. They just aren't to the to this audience. They just don't. It just it doesn't come off. So I think that's really where the problem comes. Is like you're trying to tell me the story of this problem, but you know Bailey just overshadows them, and so it really just doesn't give Sky or Kai who, again, don't have much credibility anyways on the wins and loss column, it, it, it makes it even harder. You know, it's just it's a, it's a deeper hole for them to dig out of. And I think that, that's why I said just cut your losses with it. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I have something I want to talk about with all this, but it has to do with what we saw later in the night, so I'll save it for a little bit later. Hmm. Uh, for now, we got a couple of backstage segments. I'm just going to lump them together here. We first have the Judgment Day, and they're hanging out when Paul Heyman comes by, and even though they feel like Solo was eh, they say they'll handle business with KO, Sammy, and Riddle. Heyman implies that they'll have to answer to the tribal chief if they fail. Uh, Jimmy, I'll start with you. One, I love that these, I love when they do these like stories that play out through the show, these mini one episode stories. Uh, but also, I like that they added a little bit of stakes here. Like, hey, if you guys fail, we did our job. You better do yours. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And again, plants more seeds and gives them more options to go in different directions. And you can you can keep us guessing as well. And that's the whole thing, because one of the things that, that people complain about that I hear, at least anyways, or read is that, oh, that was too predictable. I saw this coming. I saw now you're kind of going, oh, where's this going to go? Where, where, where What is the next step with this thing? And I, I like that they are teasing little little snippets of. Uh, maybe there's going to be some dissension between the bloodline and, and, and Judgment Day. And there's still the issues with uh, KO, Sammy, and uh, Matt Riddle. So, you know, options are there. And who knows? Maybe we get all of the above. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing about gangs. I, at some point, they're going to want the same territory. They're going to want that same street corner. And it's looking like Judgment Day and the bloodline are starting to get pretty close to the same street corner. Justin, I want your thoughts on all this, but also I want to add in the segment we they did where Matt Riddle had some ideas for their match, and he says he's going to do the bro toe, but then says, no, man, I'm not being goofy. I'm serious. 
I love that they reminded us that Matt Riddle's a killer. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to the I agree. With you. I love when there's little. I love when there's a thread and there's a, a theme to the episode and there's a story carrying through. Uh, yeah, I think that was a really important uh, backstage segment. Um, almost so important that I wonder would it have been worthwhile to do out in front of the crowd just to elevate its importance just because you know backstage kind of sometimes gets a secondary it's backstage but mm -hmm. if, it's out, if it's out in front of the crowd it's pay attention because you're right riddle you know through all the success that riddle the, the rk bro had and all the goofy comedy stuff or whatever and he's, he's high and 420 you know um it does get lost that this is a guy who does have one of the most legitimate backgrounds He's a baby face who's a goofy baby face. But when he does get in the ring, he he sells really well. He has great facial expressions for a baby face to sell. But it does get a little lost at times, and especially now that he's just come back from 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 injury, that he's a he's a he's a tough dude. He's a former he's a former UFC competitor who had a who I, I think had a pretty damn good record, if I remember correctly. Um and so I, I think I think that was an important thing to do tonight was to just remind people like this guy could legit shoot on most of the roster if he wanted to. Uh, but we don't think of him like Brock Lesnar. You know, we don't think of him. Hell, we don't even think of him like, like Chad Gable, who's, a, who's an Olympian. Um, we, we, he's not putting that same thought because he's goofy. He's goofy smoking weed guy, Matt Riddle, uh, who's kicking his flip-flops off and all that. He's riding a scooter. But I think that they do need to do that, especially if if they want to actually get the best return on investment of Riddle. If, if, if Riddle, if, if, he, if they still are going to try to um, ride him as a potential top babyface. Mm -hmm. They are going to have to remind people or educate people on how um, how lethal he could be. And who knows? Maybe with a merger with UFC, that opens up a whole whole tape library of being able to, you know, whenever you want to kind of not hit a reset, but not, not even a repackage, but when you want to move into the next phase of, okay, Riddle's one of the next babyfaces projects that we're going to push to be a top potential title contender even we need to tell people we need to tell more story and background about him well now if you have the entire ufc library at your uh, disposal that could do wonders like a little reminder sort of thing exactly yeah 100 so uh speaking about talking in front of the crowd live cody rhodes shows up and he calls out the beast but he gets someone even more dangerous scrap daddy uh, Adam Pierce says Cody is not medically cleared. So Cody grabs a chair and just takes out poor security until the undertaker Brock Lesnar comes out. <laughs> Adam Pierce makes the match official in Puerto Rico. As long as Cody doesn't do anything tonight, Cody takes out security and calls Brock a coward. Later. He says he's satisfied that he gets to face Brock in Puerto Rico, but he's confused about the whole darn mess. Justin, this this gives us an official announcement of the match and also makes things a little more personal, I guess, um, as opposed to just a random attack. Yeah, I mean, good choice on keeping uh, the, the two apart, not letting Cody get any physical vengeance on Brock yet. That's, that's, at this point, that's a big selling point to the match itself. Um, uh, I, 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 so I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I'm, I don't love the explanation of, oh, you're not medically clear. Okay, the guy's not medically clear, but yet you're going to let... 30 security guards come out and put their hands on them. I, you know, I don't love that, but I understand, but I like the, 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 the ends to the mean, which is again, to keep Cody uh, apart from Brock and, and to, to say, to keep the match, to save the match for the, for the pay-per-view, save it for the money. Um, I do like this. Uh, and on oh, the sense of, if we look back now in hindsight, Cody's road to mania, 
it was kind of about finishing the story. He was happy to be here. He even the even the most personal of promos with Heyman or Ro- Roman, there was still a certain kind of slight jovial tone. This is at least it allowed him to try to like shift into a new gear of intensity. Uh, and Brock Lesnar's going to bring that out of you. Better have it if you're going to go one on one with Brock. So that that I will say, I, I do kind of think that's an important thing in this whole. If if, if we're riding Cody as our next babyface, and we're trying to make sure the crowd is truly rallied behind him, he, he's got to show some fire. And I think this is making him show fire. And yeah, I know Brock beat the streak. I was there the night that he conquered. I did not know that it, that meant he got to conquer the the <laughs> the hat and coat. But I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure if if old Undertaker's got a problem with it, he'll he'll phone he'll phone Big Brock and let him know. Yeah, I think if anyone has a problem with Brock Lesnar wearing anything, they're just going to learn to deal with it because I think yeah. Brock Lesnar's going to wear it regardless. <laughs> uh, but Jimmy Sheed Black has a super chat, and they've been incredibly patient because it came in right at the beginning of the show, but we've been waiting until now to get to it. I'm going to pose the question to you. Sheed Black asks, "Was Cody Rhodes doing heel actions tonight?" Not, I wouldn't call him heel actions. What it is, is he was a super passionate, fired up baby face who wasn't taking any crap from anybody and wanted to get at Brock Lesnar by any means necessary. And when we see baby faces being wronged, then they, they go above and beyond. And that's what happened. And that's what we got from Cody tonight. And like, like, like you guys said, fire, passion. The crowd was into it. They were loving the fact that they were getting this out of Cody because before tonight, uh, let's be honest, when you see the matchup, Cody versus Brock, how many people were going, wow, can Cody handle a guy like that? Can you know That's Brock Lesnar after all. And then all of a sudden, you know, he takes it. Yes, it's all security and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, he did show that fire. He did show that passion and he showed that he wants to fight Brock Lesnar by any means necessary. Uh, and uh, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was very heelish. I just thought it was very um, passionate. What I loved about that is they, I think in the past WWE has learned when you're two white meat baby faces, we say two like true blue, good guy follows the rules, no matter what people think you're corny and they eventually turn on you and they don't really, they're not really into you. I think this was giving Cody just enough of that shade of gray to make him not seem like a corny dork. Like, okay, he's he's pissed. He's going to go throw some hands at some security, going to dive over him to try to get to Brock. Like, he feels he's a little more feisty now as opposed to like, yes, sir, I'll follow the rules. I'll cross my T's and dot my I's. I, it's wrestling. I want him, you know, we all like Stone Cold and The Rock. We want you to flip people off every now and again and uh, be a little rowdy. Yeah, it, 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 I think it's a good point, Jack. It was very. I mean, look, go back to um, go back to SummerSlam 2014, when that was the night the Suplex City was really born. That was Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, where he, I mean, he just bent Cena 50 million ways with I forget how many uh, German suplexes, and the crowd ate it up because at that point John was just, you know, John was he, he's he's polarizing, but but he but he was very true. You know, you can't see me, never give up, the salute, white meat babyface. And that's kind of where the crowd got. They, even though this was Brock Lesnar, who just months earlier had beaten the streak for ta- of takers, they ate up just seeing him just handle and, and and squash Cena in a way that we had never seen Cena handled. So I think I think that is kind of like the situation here is like you got to give Cody a little grit. Like I wouldn't be surprised if whether it's leading up to or whether it's in the match itself, if uh, if Cody's got to get a little dirty. 
if he, if he would have to do a heel move, like if Brock is being so, you know, let's say Brock does a similar thing in the match. Let's say Brock is just suplex city, suplex city, suplex city, and, and Cody's barely hanging on just to survive. Maybe Cody gives a little low blow <laughs> to Brock, you know, and, but I think, I think if, if it's laid out the right way, the crowd won't boo it as like, oh, you, you bad. They're going to say, guy's doing what he's got to do to hang on. He's just trying to survive. And mm-hmm. if the story's there that he's a, he's a good guy who's just trying to, you know, it, it could work. So I think that's kind of, um, I think it's a good point by you. I think you got to, if, if you want to keep Cody, if you want to keep from the crowd splitting, yeah, you cannot let him get into white meat babyface territory. You got to still keep some, some relatability. Uh, somebody who's just going to do, maybe he's got a better rule uh, for a time or two to, to survive the, the big bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kier Kemp throws in the super chat. Would Brock and Cody main event backlash? I would assume so. I mean, maybe that six man tag um, if Roman's getting involved, but feels like Cody Brock has to be main event, right, guys? Well, you can make a case for the six men, that's for sure, because that's the that's the 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 biggest storyline going on is the, what's going on with the bloodline. That's true. Right. Yeah, you know, with Bad Bunny and it's Puerto Rico, and uh, oh yeah, I, 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 I guess, I guess also it's how are each of them going to end, and how do you want the show to end? So that might dictate what you put on last. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That's why I asked you guys. Uh, but uh, we get a match that I think, to me, shocked me a little bit with what we got. We got the Miz versus Seth Rollins. Miz jumps Rollins to start the match. Says he wanted this match because he was cheap shotted so many times. Uh, match of the night, I think, here. Seth gets the win. Uh, Jimmy, could we be seeing a more serious Miz going forward? Because this did not feel like goofy Miz. This felt like a serious I want to prove myself Miz. I think it's good to see serious Miz at times. You don't have to see him every week, serious Miz. You can mix it in. And we saw how good he could be in this situation when he is that fired up Miz and wants to prove to the world that he can go. Because that's been a, a part of the criticism with him lately. Is like he's doing all that goofy stuff, and he 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 can't hang with. The, he hung with Seth Rollins, and you talk about you know, uh, we we've said this on this show before. You can get over without going over. I think Miz proved himself tonight to the point where people said, "Hey, you know what? Let's we forgot about the Miz. The Miz really has it going, and he can go." And tonight was a situation with, with Seth Rollins, of course. They told a hell of a story together. They had a hell of a match. And, man, uh, proud of the Miz. And that's the guy that I saw get banished to the broom closet and thought, I, I can't believe this guy's going to be here much longer to, to what we saw tonight. It was amazing. Yeah, Justin, uh, any thoughts on this one? And um, I guess what are your thoughts on them actually have a reasoning for this match? I love that they said that on commentary that, Miz was upset about the cheap shots him and Logan Paul took. It's still, it's a small thing, but it made me go, okay, I get it now. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm good with it. What I take away from this is the crowd was really, and this is not the only crowd, Little Rock, not the only one. The crowd is, they have been very much behind Seth Rollins. Um, You know, I mean, why not? I mean, he's, he's, he's got the song thing that everybody, you know, audience participation is half the battle. You know, just ask Road Dog. You don't gotta you don't gotta you don't gotta do a whole bunch of stuff in the ring every single night, but if you can get the audience very much if if you can get them buying a ticket because they want to be part of the entrance. And so he has that with the song. And but of course he's freaking I mean that that suplex from the top to where he does it at the top and then immediately rolls it into the Falcon air. I mean, that is just 
that's incredible core strength and, and, and everything. What Here's what I'm wondering with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is so over right now with the crowd. Very, very organically has the crowd behind him. Maybe there's a whole other bot podcast we could do right now on is he more over than Cody? I don't know. Or or is it all the same? I guess what I'm wondering is what what do you really do with Seth here long term? As we come into the summer of, you know, we got backlash in Puerto Rico, then we got money in the bank. Or then we then we go to Night of Champions in, in, in Saudi Arabia at the end of May. Then we go to Money in the Bank in London July one. Then we go to SummerSlam in, in August. With these big shows coming up, what does Seth do? Because I mean, like, is he a challenger that steps up and challenges Roman in the time being? And of course, there's tons of history there. Uh, but but if he does, he's probably losing. Like, you've already had him work with Theory, so like, is he gonna like? I don't think he's working for the U.S. Championship. Does he get moved over to SmackDown? Is he a guy that goes after a Gunther? And again, makes the IC title seem even bigger because it's Seth freaking Rollins. Like, I'm really wondering, what do you do with Seth? Because they have Seth is hot and over right now at the crowd. Um, and I'm just, I kind of feel like maybe he just ran his course on Raw. Maybe he does need a fresh, fresh uh, set of dancing partners because he's very over. I just don't know what what else there is to do for him right now. Because um, the stuff with the Miz, yeah, that's not. I mean, that, that's not going to last much longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good question because he is definitely world title popular right now. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if you, you can't just give him the title based off everything that's going on, but it does feel very uh, disruptive how over he is almost that yeah. he's kind of forcing himself into that conversation. I think there's a plan for what they want to do, but at this point, are you misusing someone? I, I hate to throw that term around, but like, I mean, he's so popular. It feels like, why is he not in that world title scene right now? Uh, Sorry, I don't, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off there, Jack, but it, it just feels like I don't think they saw this coming. Yeah. This reinvention of, of Seth in his current iteration, I don't think they saw the popularity that they maybe didn't realize that this was going to be what people are gravitating to. This is caught on. Yeah. And sometimes you, you, you catch fire when you weren't, when you least expect it. And that's what happened, I think, here with Seth Rollins. They weren't expecting it this kind of reaction and man, people are loving it. Is there almost something happening with Seth Rollins that, and I'm trying to find a good example off the top of my head, but I see that you've got Roman Reigns, this guy, this version of him somewhat new grand scheme. I mean, it's been years, but grand scheme of careers, somewhat new Cody Rhodes is the guy coming in that everyone thinks is going to be the guy to win the title. He's a new guy. Is there something about, Seth Rollins being one of, if you're a WWE fan, one of quote unquote our guys that has been here and been his Seth Rollins and we've been behind and now we're kind of latching onto him because he's not the new toy. He's the one that's been here since the beginning. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if there's a resentment or a split of he's, but but I do think there is something to the fact that if you look at the roster um, and obviously the Miz being one of the few, there's not many more people beyond Seth that have been tenured as a full-time regular without any significant time off, other than maybe a few injuries here and there. Um, you know, Seth's been there. You know, Seth debuted with the Shield in, in, in November of uh, 2012, and he's been going strong ever since. Uh, a couple of reinventions of himself, which is what you need to do to, to, for longevity in pro wrestling. But yeah, I, I just think that there is, a, I think probably to the audience, there is that sense of like, he's just been around. He's, he's done it all. He really has. I mean, we, so, um, and... I, I don't know if, you know, I don't think it's a thing of pitting him versus a Cody type of thing. I think it's just a, he's there again, audience engagement and you watch him. He just does things athletically and physically that like, like I said earlier, just, it just it shows off incredible strength and just and fun to watch. 
So he's kind of hitting it with, he's kind of satisfying every fan. If you like to just watch entrances, he's an entrance to watch. If you like work rate, he's a work rate. If you like visuals, he wears the craziest things. You want to hear a talker? He can cut a promo. He can kind of do it all. He really is the quintessential pro wrestler when you think of it in that, in those regards. Cause yeah, he'll cut a promo, he'll wrestle, he'll wear the goofy outfits. He'll, he, he does it all. Yeah, uh, and when you talk about guys who don't, you know, one of those rare guys who don't need a t- title to get over Seth Rollins is that guy right now. Yep. Um, we got a guy with a title, Austin theory, having a match with Bobby Lashley, uh, Lashley says with the draft coming up, this might be his last chance to get his hands on theory. And that's why they're doing this match. Uh, goes a couple segments before it gets busted up by Bronson Reed, who targets Bobby Lashley. Lashley almost gets one up on Bronson, but theory helps Reed who then hits the tsunami. Uh, Jimmy, are we going to see a Austin theory, Bronson Reed team up? Um, I don't know if it's going to be an actual team up, but, uh, they, they are on the same side of the fence. Let's put it that way. But it, I, I'm looking forward to a, a Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed matchup. Two big guys, two big hosses that can go. And, you know, obviously Bobby's got the physique and and Bronson's got more mass, but it's, but he can move, man, for the guy his size. And this this is going to be an interesting matchup. And I'm they've got me interested in a big guy matchup and looking forward to seeing this one. Now, whether this one happens at Backlash, uh, I'm uh, we could assume. And... Uh, it's just interesting that the two matches that Bobby, the two times that Bobby's faced uh, uh, Austin, Austin Theory, both matches were kind of like no, non finishes. So, mm-hmm. do we get one more match with them, or do, do, so that they could close that off, or maybe you know, Bobby just says to hell with it. Uh, Ronson Reed, you're in my sights right now. Forget everything else. Yeah, Justin, what, what were your thoughts on this one? And what were your thoughts on the idea of Mr. Nice Guy, Bronson Reed? Yeah, the vignette that aired earlier the night, long overdue. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we all, the three of us, had this conversation somewhere in the last couple of weeks or months, which is Bronson Reed, big guy, such agility, you know, you know, Vader, Bam and Bigelow-esque in terms of, of that. But, like, give me some give me some background, give me some color to him. And I thought tonight that pro, that vignette, that Mr. Nice Guy vignette, was, that was, I was like, God, this is what we need. This is exactly what we need. Um, so, I, and I also like the fact that they gave us that, and that wasn't just the only thing of Bronson Reed tonight. That he then later came out and, you know, and got him some of Bobby Lashley. So, I think this was a good night for Bronson Reed if you if you got Bronson Reed stock and you're trying to see him build up. Um, and I agree. I, I I think at this point they they they're setting the they're setting they've done the things to um, to have a you know a backlash match potentially of Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed, but say no count, no DQs. All right. You, 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 big guys. We're we're gonna we're gonna extend the boundaries here. We need a winner, um, mm-hmm. not a count out, not a DQ, not a whatever. We need a winner, and so and and it would be completely justified at this point because I, I think that now as the audience, you kind of want to see it because these two guys are just, mm. I mean, they're 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 two big bulls that are just hitting each other hard, and and yeah, I, this was a good night for Bronson Reed for for all things considered. Yeah, this was a um, a spot though where I noticed, and this was something that was brought up earlier on. Uh, it happened throughout, but this is where it really started to click with me. And Shabowski mentioned it earlier on. Big uh, shout out to Shabowski for being so patient on this one. Uh, says, why pipe in crowd noise? All it does is encourage lazy riding and emotionless riding, not to mention cheesy when you see the crowd yawning and the mouths not moving. Now, 
there's a lot of stuff in there, but I will say this episode and, and Justin, I, I see you reacting here. So I'll let you go on this. <laughs> this was an episode where I feel like I noticed crowd noise a lot more than I had noticed in the past. Was that just me or is that, was it more obvious tonight? I don't know if it was more obvious. It depends on it. You have to just be set out to look for it. You you have to put your mind to it. Like, okay, I'm hearing something that is what I'm hearing. Is it matching up to what I'm seeing? You, you just have to be looking for it. Uh, it it's not. For, first off, I don't think it encourages lazy writing. And nobody, nobody in WWE is being lazy. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's no. phoning it in and no. just go. That's just, that's. And I, I don't. Jimmy worked there, but that's not the. That's just not. You're not going to survive if that's if that's if that's your way of getting through to, pay, to a paycheck. Nobody's lazy. Everybody there is trying their ass off. It's just it's just what it's what makes the final draft. I, I I will agree. When you pipe in fake noise, you have to be very cognizant of what camera shots are. What are we seeing of the crowd? Because that is a displacement of. I'm hearing a whole lot, but I'm seeing people just sitting still. That's a that's a real thing. I'll, I'll fully admit that. But to the idea of piping in fakes, uh, to, to piping in sound, it, yes, of course, you'd love to have 15,000 people just going raucous naturally. Of course, you'd love that. But if you don't always have that, this entire presentation, this entire product is manufactured to try to get you to feel a certain way okay so why is it so out of left field to think that if we can enhance some sound to make you to make to, to make it click that when you come when you buy a ticket in three weeks when we come to your city you're supposed to really boo this person when they do that or you're so, like it's, it's it's not a it's not a it's not a misplaced idea that you you're just trying to you know sell what you want people to react, and then hopefully they get the picture and they get the, the and then they start doing it. And you don't have to pipe in the noise. Mm-hmm. But yes, I agree. When you see people not doing it, it's it is a displacement. But the whole idea of piping in noise, we're, we're manufacturing the wins losses. Who's saying what? Who's doing what? So why is and, and why is inputting sound such a such a, a wackadoo idea? It's, it's that, that's where I draw the line, Justin. Right. I'll let you adjust lighting, wardrobe, what people say and do. But I will not stand for fake crowd noise. <clears throat> hey, uh, you remember we don't use the word fake; it's sports entertainment noise. Predetermined <laughs> crowd noise. Yes. See, uh, but but you compare it kind of like to any sitcom out there or something like that—the laugh track that's added in when they don't do it in front of a live audience. Yeah. You know, yes, there is a live audience in this situation, but at the same time, like Justin said, for the audience at home who, let's say, for example, somebody's watching who is not in a frequent watcher, let's put it that way, for lack of a better term. And they say, oh, this is somebody who's being booed. This is obviously the bad guy, the good guy, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? It's a lot better. Sorry, Jimmy. It's a lot better no. than, again, if people aren't yet reacting as much as you want because they haven't yet seen the Bronson Reed video, whatever. It's it's better to try to do this and, and hope that versus no noise and it being complete crickets. Yep. Like, but but people people are it's it's not that people are sitting there asleep. They're paying attention, but sometimes they pay attention, you know, without making any any noise. It, it, and and I get where people are saying, oh, they're not sleeping. Let's put it that way. They're paying attention. They're just not reacting. Let's put it that way. 
and I will say that as far as the excuse for being lazy, trust me, everybody in that building knows when it's quiet. There's no one who's getting away with anything when it's quiet. Mm -hmm. So even though they're, they may be putting in that sound, if it's quiet, trust me, people, people are aware they're noticing and they're not getting away with anything. Mm -hmm. Um, just because they're covering it up does not mean they're getting away with it. Those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, as we continue on, we get to Trish Stratus. She comes out in a long black jacket with a cowboy hat, and she says she is solely the credit for the women's evolution, and she is no one sidekick. Jimmy, this is probably the most important question I'm going to ask all week. Uh, like I said, she came out long black jacket, black cowboy hat. Who wore it better, Trish Stratus or Brock Lesnar? Go. Uh, and not just because she's Canadian and she's a fellow uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Greek descent as I am. Uh, Trish did wear it better. But, but the one thing I enjoyed most about this promo is that when Trish was delivering the promo, you felt, again, we talked about passion with the Cody deal. This was passion in a different way because she came off uh, you know, as, as the heel here, she came off as a biatch and all that kind of stuff. But you felt that she was believing what she was saying. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You, you felt that through the, through the, the camera, through the lens, uh, and whether they felt it in the arena, I don't know, but I felt it here at home thinking, Oh, you know what? I'm buying what she's, what she's believing. She's saying, you know, anyways, and she's, you know, if you get my point, what I'm trying to, I can't mm -hmm. spit it out the way I want to spit it out. But, you know, that, that's one of the things when you talk about promos, if you don't believe it, then how, if you don't look like you believe what you're saying, then how is the audience going to believe what you're saying? She came off making the audience think, oh, wow. Yep. You don't want to be. And Justin, to that point, um, last week we were talking about, I don't know if we can boo Trish. Do you still feel that way? No. Uh, first of all, Jimmy, uh, I believe Brock has Canadian citizenship, so yeah, yeah. you could you could pick Brock if you. Yeah, yeah. but he, he's from yeah. Minnesota technically. So. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Minnesota, the I, guy. I, yeah, I forgot about that Minnesota Canadian. And that's uh, he, and he's in Saskatchewan somewhere. So come on, <laughs> you don't claim Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, you know, look, here's what was impressive about Trish. Um, and I did, I, I did, you're right. I did doubt that last week. I was like, do we want to boo her? She came out there, Trish, who has not been a regular full-time performer in however many years she came out there. She cut a long promo live one take to the audience, had to deal with what chance and whatever else cut a promo, gave us an explanation and a reasoning, which I, which I bought and didn't scream. Didn't have to like, she kept a very matter of fact tone. To what she was saying, what she believed that she was saying, she never had to scream. She never had to fight the audience, and I that that's and that's a that's a that's a tough thing to do. That 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 is a veteran move, but it's even more impressive that it's a veteran move. But again, she hasn't been on a live mic to to play that heel role. She hasn't played a heel in twenty years. So the fact that she was able to go out there and do that, she didn't miss a beat. She didn't have it. She didn't stammer on a word. Um, she hit her. She hit her notes. Uh, and then had and then and then rightfully so had the mic drop at the end. Um, uh, that, that, that really really well done. Um, so that I'm I'm on board. I'm on board for heel Trish, and to see where this goes. And and not to you know not to make it an age thing or a shallow thing. But I mean, yeah, you see her out there. She's 47 years old, and God, she 
she looks like she's in her she looks and sounds like she's in her prime. I'll just put I'll just all encompass it as that. Uh bravo to her. Yeah, Jimmy, between like Lashley and uh Trish, people don't age at at WWE. I mean, even Vince McMahon is still jacked. What what are they mm-hmm. what are they what's in the water over it's- at uh, WWE? I don't know. There's something in the catering too, as well, I guess. So, so, so to speak, whatever it is, uh, not to, not to get off topic, but it, Billy Gunn too. He just, I, oh, I see God. him and he, I just get upset. <laughs> it's unfair. Yeah. yeah uh, it isn't fair. I, I will say we talked earlier about Bianca Belair after this promo. I'll be honest. I would be totally happy with Trish beating Becky at whatever the next matchup is. And then I'd be happy. I would be okay with Trish beating Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. And maybe being a part, even if she's a part-time champ for a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll say this to that point, Jack. Um, you know, they they, they have uh, Money in the Bank event July 1 in London. And how many years has it been since Trish has performed in front of a live crowd in London? That itself could be a draw if you put her to challenge Bianca Belair, if, if, if you want to do that. If, if she's up for it, I don't know what her contract situation is if, or how many dates she's committed to. But if she's willing to do it, I agree. Bianca Belair is an over babyface champion who, as we talked earlier, kind of has a lack of challengers right now. You have if you have Trish get a dirty win on a Becky Lynch, um, and then and then roll right in and say, "Okay, I'm going to win the title now," and remind all of you that I'm the again that I am the one that started this whole division. I'm going to win the title in 2023. Um, that that could be that could be a compelling attraction for for the London crowd. Yeah, and, and as mentioned, as everyone has said, what made that promo so great is she's kind of got a point in everything she said. Uh, Maya Lee winning the patient uh, listener award. Maya, thank you so much. We got a couple from you here. Uh, first super chat is it feels like my childhood again. Are we getting Trish versus Lita rivalry in 2023? I like seeing all the stables together at the end of the show. We'll talk about the end of the show in a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's so funny. When I was a kid watching wrestling, I was like, get these old folks out of here. But now I'm like, I love seeing the people who are legends come back. Well, the Hall of Fame match. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, um, but uh, Miley also with a question saying, why Becky wasn't at Raw? Did something happen? Question mark. Um, I did not see anything uh, noteworthy. Uh, Justin, I know you're plugged in with the news. Did you hear anything? Yeah, she, uh, Becky had actually said that she wasn't going to be there. I believe she's dealing with a foot injury. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, she went on social and actually did say she wasn't going to be there tonight. Um, right. So, yeah, so everything's good with Becky, I assume. And then, I mean, besides the foot injury, obviously, but uh, right. get well soon. And, and, and I guess there was speculation about like there's been a lot, especially the last couple of weeks when. Uh, you know, when Vince was there the night after Mania and there were all rewrites and like even Becky's husband, Seth, apparently his mm-hmm. segment got completely blown up or whatever. There's been a lot of spec. Oh, is Becky mad? Is she leaving? Whatever. Supposedly her contract, she's in, she's under contract for at least another year, at least till next year. So it's like nothing like that's going on, but yeah, she's dealing with some type of injury with the foot. So all the more reason why it might fall into maybe Trish beats her just to kind of cover up some things. Trish beats her in a, in a schmaz and, and Trish goes mm-hmm. on to challenge Bianca. You know, who knows? I will say anyone who's on Twitter, like about wrestling stuff, just pump the brakes when you see that someone wants to leave a company before you instantly react. I don't know. Just gonna throw that out there. I feel like those things come up all the time and just pump the brakes before you get a little worked up about it. 
Mm -hmm. That's all I'm, I'm going to say there. But Dream Realm Studios with the Super Chat saying John Morrison won his first boxing match. I heard. Good for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking of guys that don't age also, that guy, mm -hmm. yeah. by the way, I think there's a warrant out for his arrest because it's illegal to have abs like that at his age. Um, Again, not fair. Yeah. I think the only reason Finn Balor gets away with it is no one realizes how old he actually is. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why he gets away with his abs. But we have Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville versus Candice LeRae and Meechin, uh, while Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are on commentary. It's a fairly quick one with the complaint committee uh, getting the win here and splashing water in the face of Liv Morgan ahead of their match on SmackDown. Jimmy, nothing, um, nothing controversial or crazy in this one, but I feel like Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville are a great tag team. Yeah, they are. They are very good heel tag team, it, it, and they work well together. They have that chemistry. They and uh, not much, like you said, not much to say about this match. There wasn't much to it. It was more of a, a, a I hate to say, an enhancement match to build up their the upcoming match for the tag titles and throwing the drink in. Uh, oh my goodness, whose face was it? Liv again. Morgan's. Liv Morgan's face. You know, again, uh, just further adds fuel to the fire. And, and what did they do after they threw the, the drink in the face? They ran away. Exactly. What, what heels are like, supposed like to do. Smart. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, this was a fun one. Justin, I, this, I, we've said before, but to me, the, the message here is great characters are going to, it's going to be easier if you have a great care, if you're a great character, than if you're a great pure wrestler and that's no shot at anybody. It's just, I think you can see it in this match. That's exactly. That's airport test. Mm -hmm. Be a character. Be, yeah. be, be somebody I, I spot 50, 50 yards down the terminal. Be somebody that I can't help but listen to and turn to when I'm sitting at the bar waiting for my flight. You know, it's, it's all in the airports or wonderful filter. Uh, yeah, I agree to that with, uh, with, with, with Sonya. I also, um, I, I got to give a shout out to the, to the new champs. I thought, um, you know, they're, they're just out there to kind of just be there present and they're out there in the street clothes. Raquel and Liv coming out looking like a million bucks mm -hmm. with the title. And they, they, they looked that I thought that was a good first week presentation. If, if they're not going to be wrestling and they're coming out, that was a good presentation. They looked like stars the way that they um, entered the arena. So good, mm -hmm. good on them. Yeah. And I, I think that they did a great job of if I am, if I only watch raw and I haven't really been tuning into SmackDown, that sells me on SmackDown. I'm interested to see that matchup if I don't really know much about who they are. Um, we continue on and we get a quick little backstage package about the upcoming draft. Boogs is worried. The Prophets are worried. Akira and Corbin are talking smack. Elias is going number one. He's pretty confident about that. Jack? Uh, yes. I have to ask you. You mentioned the Prophets. Do you want the smoke? Oh, well, I clearly look at my... <laughs> 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 it was a layup. Sorry, it was a layup. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um, I just feel I, bad I didn't think of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's anything to take away from this other than just kind of explaining that anything goes in the draft. Uh, we also got some smack talk from the bloodline to the LWO, but Justin, anything to take away from these backstage segments? Nah, just fun. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. T Tazawa jumped in there. He was fun. Uh, I am actually, and Baron Corbin is in there. I actually am curious. They, they, like, what are we going to do with Baron Corbin? <laughs> like, Baron, yeah. You know, Baron's a good heel and he's a good worker. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. uh, we got to 
we got to do something. Uh, what's next for Baron? Uh, Again, you, you talk. You talk. Like you're talking about draft and maybe a new a change of scenery can help. I don't know if it it, it will for Baron because a lot of times perception is reality, and he has to reinvent himself in some way that catches on with the crowd. I I, I, I agree. Real quick, not to like Baron. So Baron, he's had his. You know, he started his first big thing on the main roster. He was like, you know, like the apocalypse. You know, like you know. <laughs> then he kind of moved away from that and 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 we 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 we've seen different versions of him obviously the last thing with JBL just kind of went flat but again kind of going back to what I said earlier about Riddle about like leaning into real life credibility Baron Corbin is a former NFL player Baron Corbin I believe is a golden glove boxing champion like so again Baron Corbin is somebody who you know again is a legit tough guy like Again, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing this out there. Like, you know, we, we've, we, you know, we've done happy Corbin and we've done broke Corbin. We've done, we've done all these things and you need those things. Again, it's an entertainment business. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. But I also wonder if you're, if we're looking for, again, to reset new heels and reset with people who we can rely on and, and, and that are, and, and, and Baron certainly won. He's, he's, he's rarely injured. He shows up for work. He, you know, he doesn't get in trouble. He's, he's there. He's somebody that I, I would rely on if I'm the company. I'd invest TV time in. Maybe if I'm looking for a reset, what about his past can we dig into uh, to provide some credibility? It's, again, especially if you're trying to shop in the next year or two to an ESPN or anything mainstream, if you can show footage of this guy being at training camp for the, you know, for for NFL football team, if you, if you can show footage of this guy winning a, a boxing tournament, I mean, I, that, that's stuff that resonates. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that there was a few years ago, it wasn't that unrealistic to think he may have been in line for a world title shot. Uh, you know, back mm-hmm. he was winning King of the Ring. He was kind Re- of the main... Retired Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Retired mm-hmm. Kurt Angle. He was actually on quite a run as like the, probably the most hated person in WWE for a while. I mean, he was pouring dog food on Roman Reigns' head, stuff like that. Uh, that seems so far... <laughs> far away now but um yeah yeah i feel like there's value in, in corbin i just gotta figure out what it is um, we get to our main event though and it is the six-man tag ko sammy and riddle versus the judgment day good guys get the win so bloodline comes down and finishes the job but lwo shows up and evens the odds uh, and we get a big old uh group melee at the end there jimmy um mm-hmm. i know people feel differently about these things I love a good locker room clear and brawl to end a show. It just it gets me every time. It works for me. I, I dig it. Uh, how did you feel about this one? I was okay with it because the all the players in here made sense because they have issues with each other. Like, you know, Ray and 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 everybody and, and the LWO has an issue now. And then you can go, again, branch off into different – the LWO versus uh, Judgment Day and the Bloodline and against uh, – uh, Sammy Ko and, and Matt Riddle. There are avenues to go with this, and it, it, I found it interesting that the the baby faces were standing tall at the end, which uh, could you know uh, in old school booking means well they're going to get theirs and maybe next week, and then we'll see what happens at the pay per view. But it sets up a lot of possibilities, and it makes and, and again the crowd was into it. There was a lot of mayhem. There was a lot to follow. It was hard to follow all the stuff that was going on, but at the same time. It kind of made sense because all the groups had issues with each other. Uh, Justin, do you think we're going to see the bloodline try to get some revenge against Judgment Day for not finishing the job? Or was that just something they said tonight to give some credence to the main event? 
No, they will. I don't know when, but they will. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was pretty well done. Uh, the most important thing was I thought Riddle was the one who got the uh, hit the finisher and got the pinfall. Mm-hmm. And that was important. You know, he's the guy, he's the new one is back after time off. And he's the one who you try to sell me as being serious as, as, a, as a credible uh, baby face early in the night. So I think that was important that he's the one who got the, the pinfall victory. So I thought, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, overall, this was um, this capped off what was a pretty good night of the theme of these the these coexisting uh challenges uh, mm-hmm. amongst these factions so i thought yeah this is a good good yeah. good a good raw overall from from a storytelling standpoint this raw was consistent Agreed. yeah i thought this was a very this is especially a good post mania kind of this is usually when things get pretty slow and you got to sort of temper your expectations a little bit but this one had a lot of great storytelling it moved things along really well I will say, and I understand that this isn't going to make a whole lot of sense, but why does it weird me out that Riddle doesn't wear knee pads or shoes or anything and just the trunks? Like, I get that that's what everyone else wears, but for some reason, I'm like, no, put on some knee pads. I know it's, I know, first of all, I just think, like, oh my God, my niece would hate me. But, but no, I know what you mean. It's because you look at him and he's tall, he's tall and lengthy as is. It's just a whole lot of flesh that you're seeing. It's a whole lot of flesh without being broken up because he doesn't wear boots. Mm-hmm. He doesn't wear anything <laughs> on his feet. So that's there. That's, I mean, that's, that's like at least an automatic. At least, at least if you don't wear knee pads, we at least don't see from your ankles down because you have boots on. No, he, he's barefoot. But then he mm-hmm. has no, like, and then he has no, yeah, it's just, it, he, he looks like you're literally seeing him in, in his underoos. He's just <laughs> a whole lot of flesh. Oh, and oh, by the way, <laughs> he's, he's, got his, he's got his nails painted. Not judging anybody. But then you mm-hmm. see a guy, he's, 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 he just, he just, it's a very unorthodox look. I have to, you know, I got to agree there. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I agree with you all the way across. I, I know I should just be, I know the reality is I should be, yeah, all of them basically wear that. But for some reason, for some reason that gets me with, with Riddle. Mm-hmm. Next is going to come out just wearing a belt. But <laughs> I mean, uh, he's going to steal Midian's gimmick from uh, the late 90s. <laughs> Um, there's a there's a callback for you there's a deep dive Um, Mm -hmm. so do yourself a favor anyone who doesn't know about Midian just google Midian from the late 90s Uh, google naked Midian uh, while you're at it but we have uh, I thought this was a good show I thought it was a Mm -hmm. a fun one I I don't know if it was newsworthy but a lot of fun stuff I'd put it up there in that uh, 7 or 8 category I thought um, as far as what to actually expect being a post mania show uh, Justin, where can the world find you online? What were your final thoughts of the show and all that good stuff? Yeah, overall, I thought it was a pretty good role. Um, you know, like I said, consistent in storytelling, and uh, I'm 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 kind of excited for back back in backlash over the years has sometimes been a throwaway show. I'm kind of kind of looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so at Justin Labar across the socials, uh, Twitter and Instagram and all those things. Uh, here on Monday nights, here on Wednesday nights. Uh, usually on Friday mornings, spar with Labar on uh, Busted Open Radio with myself, Dave LaGreca, and Thunder Rosa, Channel 156. Uh, so, yeah, so all those uh, wonderful places you can find me. And, of course, I'm on the, again, really on Twitter, uh, 24-7, uh, interacting uh, as long as you're not being a faceless troll. If you don't have your, if you don't have your uh, picture... You don't have profile. a profile. If I can't identify you in a lineup... I don't if your profile picture is of some of a wrestler or of something other that ain't you, you're not gonna get the rise out of me. 
Nope. I got to be able to identify you in a lineup. If your comment's yep. stupid, I got to be able to find you in a crowd. There yep. you go. I have to be able to actively ignore you in person as well as on Twitter. Uh, Jimmy, how about you? Any final thoughts on the show? Where can the world find you online? No, I thought it was a fine show. And like you talked about, the, you guys talked about it furthered the story and the interest going into backlash. And now I'm more invested into wanting to tune in to see it. And we got a good variety tonight of good uh, in-ring promo work, good in-ring matches for the most part. And it, it was a complete show. Like like you said, was it like blow away, knock it out of the park? Maybe not, but it was a solid triple to me, I think, anyways. Or, yeah. or maybe stretched out a, a, a long double stretch into a triple. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I, and as far as where you can cash me, <laughs> you Canadians in the metrics don't system, don't try to start stretching spaces and time out here. All right. Yeah, we right. like our way, our measurement system that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but this is what I was taught growing up. So I'm using it. That's okay. the way it works here in the United mm -hmm. States. Yeah, and as far as where you can catch me, you can catch me on here with you guys on Monday nights uh, and on Wednesday nights talking to Justin and Issa usually uh, after Dynamite. You can catch me on my social media platforms doing my ref and rants from Monday through Friday, just talking, uh, having a little fun, critiquing, not tearing down, but trying to tighten some screws. And, uh, of course, my good brother in stripes, Brian Hebner, and I uh, do the Refn It Up podcast, which drops every Wednesday morning uh, with RJ hosting us, who does a wonderful job. And uh, this week's topic, the Rated R Superstar, Edge. On this day. I said clearly. Anyway, not, not in that, not in that smoky room. <laughs> the room is clear. It's the, I, it's oh, like, yeah. some right. got That's under. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, we, in any case, uh, thank you guys for watching. You can find me at real Jack Farber across all social media. It's not 420 for a couple more days. there, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read a calendar in the state. I'm in Justin. <laughs> no. Um, in any case, uh, I thought it was a good show. Like I said, thank you to everybody who is in the chat. Dream Realm Studios, Ethan Cruz, Dylan Matthews, John Millard, Adam Staples, Chris Aldridge, Dylan Matthews. I say Dylan Matthews already. Tut Graf, Duca J, uh, Doc P, everyone else. We, we, it's great. We always got the like the early crew and the late crew, the ones that are in the beginning and the ones that are at the end of the show. Joey Segura, of course. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Ricky Zaldivar. I think that does it for us. Make sure to tune into the NXT after show tomorrow. Make sure to tune into the Dynamite show on Wednesday, the Thursday show on Thursday, the SmackDown Rampage show on Friday, and all the other good stuff. It's at Wrestling Inc., where you should find all your news. That does it for us. We'll see you guys next time.